With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your co-host Menas. I'm joined by Chloe. No, it's not Chloe. All's back. How are you, mate? Hey, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. Um, missed you the last couple of shows, but been good to um, chat with Chloe. Lots of action in the World Cup to catch up on together. Sure is. Um, uh, it's been good that there's been a few matches, but rather than there's a bit, bit embarrassing for a few days there with the rain. Um, so it's been good to have a bit of cricket to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're recording this after the Australia-Ireland game at the Gabba. And in the end, Australia won by 42 runs, batting first, making five for 179, and then restricting Ireland to 137 all-outs in the 19th over. Um, I guess what's your, what's your overall thought for about the result for Australia? Oh, I suppose it's sort of like a, you know, using American marking system, you'd give it like a B plus maybe. because. You know, they got the win. They certainly did make um, an improvement in their net run rate, a non-trivial improvement. They were uh, minus 1.555, and they're now minus 0.304. Uh, they're still about 0.5 behind England, but an improvement of, you know, 1.2 is good. Um, you can't take anything for granted. I mean, obviously, Ireland beat England. There were even moments during this match where Ireland showed, you know, they, they were flexing their muscle a bit. So, um, you know, pretty decent result. But I, I think that maybe that Australia could have scored a few more runs and, and maybe made the margin a little bit bigger. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not too worried about the, the Australian batting, but after having Ireland five for 25, to, to, to let them get all the way up to 137, I mean, Lork and Tucker played pretty well, but there was, there was a couple of drop catches and, you know, it was a bit sloppy from Australia at the end there. And, you know, they left a few overs. They probably took a few too over, couple too many overs against Sri Lanka. And here again, I think they've leaked a few runs and could be vital when uh, they – gets down if it gets down to net run rate yeah that is a good point uh they had they had it at a point where with ireland five for 20 odd that really they could have put the net run rate so far ahead of england that it would have made a um you know a seismic shift in the tournament as it stands um even if england lose to um sorry as it stands england are still a, a decent chance of winning of getting in, into the um into the semis no matter what australia do yeah, so, um, I mean, let's go back to the beginning of the game. Ireland won the toss and elected to bowl. And uh, Australia were pretty circumspect in the first 10 overs. They were two for 78. Uh, Warner was out early, but then Mitch Marsh and Finch had a nice little partnership. But at about the halfway mark, um, it, it was pretty even Stevens. But then from there, Australia kind of launched um, – Aaron Finch ended up making 63 of 44 deliveries, a strike rate of 143. Mitchell Marsh, 28 of 22. Stoinis, 35 of 25. And then David was 15 not out and Wade, 7 not out. David striking at 150, Wade, 233. So Australia finishing 5 for 179. Um, good innings by Finch in the end. I think it's a bit similar to the overall. It's like a B-plus sort of innings. Now, uh, regular listeners to the podcast will know that I've, I've said I wouldn't have picked Finch in the squad. So um, I acknowledge that it was a, it was a pretty decent innings, um, but I hope that people won't think that I'm just kind of um, unwilling to change my tune when I still say I was hoping for a little bit more from Australia. And, I mean, Finch could point out, well, mate, if I got out, maybe we would have collapsed. And also his strike rate of 143 was better than Mitchell Marsh's and comparable to the other players who played, um, who, you know, batted a little while, especially, you know, Stoinis could only manage a strike rate of 140. However, I still think five for 179 against Ireland was a bit low, albeit on a pitch that wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a 220 pitch. Uh, I think all the batters to some degree um, struggled for fluency at points, except for Lorcan Tucker. Um, and I, I come back to what I've said many times. Uh, if, We've got someone like like um, Matthew Wade, who is so dynamic. Yet again, he finishes seven not out of three balls. I just think that's a waste. If Matthew Wade had opened the innings, then maybe we, we would have got more. So I'm trying to make a, a subtle point that I, I'm certainly not criticising Finch too much for the innings, but I, I think that maybe having faced 44 balls, um, a few more than 63 would have been uh, expected, I think. Well, it could be Finch's final international innings. He's, he's done a hamstring. He said in the press conference afterwards that it's a bit tight and he's had history with hamstrings getting injured. So there's a very good chance that we won't see Aaron Finch play for Australia again because you certainly can't carry a, a cricketer in a World Cup with a dodgy hamstring. So, uh, I mean, you know, if Finch were never to play again, I mean, for Australia, at least, you know, he finishes with a, a nice little half century. He was player of the match. And, you know, for all the people that love Aaron Finch, like you and I, we think he's a great guy. Um, you know, if it is his final innings, it's it's at least at least it's a nice performance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, um, heartless, heartless Paul over here doesn't care. No, I'm not, of it. I'm not heartless. I, I really like Aaron Finch, but it's not like, you know, it's, um, you know, that <laughs> players' careers come to an end. You know, you can't always go out on a high. Um, I, I wish him all the all the best, if, no matter what happens. Um, but it's not. I, I'm not bothered how his final innings, however it ends up being, um, pans out to be. But yeah, I, I, get, I get your point. I just don't feel that strongly about it. Mm. I mean, I've got a couple more points before uh, we move on. I thought Stoinis's innings was nice, 35 of 25, and he's starting to win me over a bit. I, I wasn't sure he was a big match player, but uh, because of the 2019 World Cup where I thought he underperformed, but then in the last two 20-over World Cups so far, he's actually come through in a lot of clutch situations, and uh, I'm quite impressed with him. And, uh, yeah, I think he could actually be a really important figure in this team, maybe moving up the order. Uh, but, yeah, really good performance again. Yeah, he's won me over as well. And I actually I was having a chat to a friend of mine uh, just before he played the innings in Perth. And the, the friend of mine was sort of saying, oh, you know, not this guy coming out. I said, no, he's really good. He's, um, he, he's fulfilled his promise. He played really well in the last World Cup. And I tell you what, I was, it was rare to be vindicated so well when he went out there and scored 50 <laughs> off about 19 balls. I felt um, I felt a warm glow. Um, yeah, pretty decent sort of innings. Um, I would have liked a little bit quicker, but um, yeah, it was, it was, again, it was just disappointing that that David and Matthew Wade didn't get a didn't get more of an opportunity. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned Tim David, 15 not out of 10 balls. I mean, that was a strike rate of 150 without even getting going. You know, can you imagine if it had another 10, 20 balls to capitalise on those, you know, playing himself in and getting used to the conditions. Uh, um, you know, we, yeah, you, that's, I guess, the frustrating thing about Finch is, you know, he soaks, soaks up those 44 balls, but, you know, what could other players do with them? Exactly, exactly. And, I, it's like, yeah, that's the point. It's like it wasn't a bad innings. It was a good innings. But I, I think that maybe under the circumstances that we're in, we needed more than a good innings, but as I said, he could make the point. If he got out, who knows? Maybe, maybe we would have collapsed. Um, what's the story? I know you listened to the press conference with Tim David. Is he injured? What's the story there? Yeah, there's a few injuries. Um, David's just got, I think, hamstring soreness was the the phrase. Right. Um, so, so nothing major. Um, the conspiracy theorists out there might think that David hasn't fielded that well throughout the tournament and was just being swapped out for a better fielder, but I'm certainly not in that camp. Um, and I think Glenn Maxwell went off the field, um, but they put, you know, they put up Mitchell Stark, who's the all-time stonewaller at the press conference, and he gave nothing away about them. I think the the, the most telling thing was Finch, uh, not being overly confident, I would say, that he'll get up for the game against um, Afghanistan on Friday. Um, yeah. So and was Stoinis field injured as well? <laughs> Who, well was Stoinis off the field for a point as well, or did I just imagine that? Maybe. I mean, they were coming and going there for a while. <laughs> they were a bit, yeah. Um, I know they finished with three sub-fielders, um, and Finch and David were both off. And I thought Maxwell went off in the middle of the over, but maybe that was Stoinis. Um, Maxwell might have hurt his finger a bit as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, for the Island bowling, some good performances. Um, Josh Little, two for 21 off his four. Barry McCarthy, can you get more Irish name than that? Three for 29. Um, good George Doc- field as well. Yes, very good. Um, George Dockwell, none for 24. Poor Mark Adair went for none for 59 in his four overs. He leaked 26 in the 15th over. Um, you had to in that over. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a mess, unfortunately. And then um, Ireland came out to bat, and they, they were none for 18 in the second over, and 
I certainly started to think that maybe they could at least challenge, but then they lost the wicket in the second over. Barberni was out to Cummins. Then in the third over, Maxwell took two wickets. And then in the fourth over, Stark took two wickets to leave Ireland reeling at five for 25. Pretty awesome start for the Aussies. Yeah, um, I, I think Ireland made a bit of a mistake. It was it was captivating in those early overs because, they were, you know, it was going to be either six or out. I think upon reflection, maybe they could have given themselves a little bit more time. They just went a little bit too hard. Um, Maxwell getting two wickets, the, his celebration, he was pumped. And again, for people who criticise him, and, you know, he hasn't batted all that well for, for, for a little while, uh, he is so valuable because he, he pops up and, and bowls well. I think he's underbowled. And those Stark, those those two Yorkers that he um, knocked the batters over, that, that was Stark at his absolute best. And at that point, as you mentioned before, it looked like Australia could have rolled them for 50-odd. Yes. Um, one talking point in the press conference by Daniel Bredig from The Age and our mate Crash Craddock from the Courier Mail was asking Stark about the fact that he's not opening the bowling at the moment. And um, Bredig was asking how that's affecting him. And Stark was saying he has to change his length, length a little because the ball's not swinging, um, you know, after the first few overs on most grounds, unlike the Gabbardsnob tonight where it did. Um, and, and Crash asked Stark whether he would prefer to open the bowling because he's been sort of so successful in the past in big games. And, I mean, Stark played it, played it away and just sort of said, well, wait till we get to the big games, you know, sort of typical response. But it is interesting because you would think Stark is worth an over up top just to see if he can get that Yorker going. Yeah, I agree with that. But I also feel that there's that, I feel that there's that fear that, with the field up a couple of snicks and a one or two decent shots and he can go for 12 or 14 off that first over. Whereas if you bring him um, on a little bit later um, when there's a bit more protection, he still can get some swing from time to time. He's got, I mean, we saw the best and the, and the, and the worst of him tonight. Those, those two Yorkers, as I said, magnificent, but ultimately he, he, he did go for 43 off his four overs and he got a bit of tap um, uh, from, from Lork and Tucker. Yeah, so, so from that 5 for 25, um, Ireland rallied and uh, finished up all out for 137. I mean, I thought they might not make 50 after that opening salvo. Um, Lorcan Tucker, who's their wicketkeeper, who was elevated to open the batting earlier this year. Um, listeners will know I was commentating on Ireland before the World Cup, so I've done lots of research. Um, he, he played a really nice inning, 71 not out. And, uh, yeah, he... At least kept Ireland in the game and um, yeah, made made you know sort of push the Aussies. Yeah, it was interesting because they needed forty six from nineteen, and they weren't going to win it at that point. As someone watching it, you could dispassionately say, "Yeah, they're not going to win here." But I tell you what, given the way that they had gone about it, and and you know the fours were coming thick and fast, I'm sure that Aaron Finch, as he was sitting there on, on the sidelines would have been starting to get nervous because that's just that's just how you'd feel. And then off the last ball of that um, third last over, Tucker ran a two. And I just thought to myself, why is he running a two there when McCarthy has only just come in? Incredibly, Tucker didn't face another ball. Um, so Ireland were, uh, as I said, eight for 134. Um, he, he is going fantastically well. And then next over, because he took that two, McCarthy's on strike. He's out second ball. And then there's been five runless balls. And off the last ball of the over, they take a single. And then the first ball, so that keeps um, 
um, Tucker off strike and then the first ball of the final over, there's a run out. So um, I think that players need to be a bit more selfish and and, squ- and uh, give up those singles and just say, basically, I'm going to face every single ball from here on in, except um, if I crack a four off the last ball of the over, in which case we're going to run off single off the first and that's it for you. Yeah, I agree. It, it's, it's happened in a couple of matches I've noticed in the World Cup where good players have been at the wrong end in crucial situations. And it, it's just not good game awareness. Um, so uh, for Australia, Adam Zampa, two for 19. Boldwell, Maxi two for 14. Uh, Mitchell Stark, two for 43. And Pat Cummins, two for 28. So a pretty good all-round team bowling performance. Um, as I said, Aaron Finch was player of the match. And now uh, that leaves the ladder. New Zealand on top, still with five points. Australia level with five points. England on three points. And Ireland still on three points. But England's net run rate is still higher than Australia. Um, how do you see the ladder and you know what, what tonight's result means for the group? All right. Well, I'll put a caveat first of all. In this tournament, especially in this tournament, especially with the number of upsets and the amount of rain that we've seen, you can take nothing for granted. But that being said, if we were to assume that the results from here on out went in an orthodox fashion, and let's just sort of um, uh, quarantine the England New Zealand game for a moment, um, if everything else has gone in an orthodox fashion, then it will hinge on that New Zealand England game that is on tomorrow night. Uh, if New Zealand win that then it'll be New Zealand and Australia through to the semis. Um, there is a bit of rain around. The, the forecast for Brisbane for the first half of tomorrow looks diabolical. It is gradually clearing up. But I'll tell you what, if that forecast happens to be slightly up by a few hours, it could actually be rained off tomorrow night in Brisbane, which would be a boon for Australia because then if, if all things went in an orthodox fashion from then on in, Australia would actually qualify over the top of England. And gosh, that would be, um, wouldn't the English fans be chatting about the Australian weather because that had basically been kicked out of the tournament, barely really having had an opportunity to do anything. Um, so I don't think that would be great for the tournament, but it would be great for, for the Aussies. But if England do beat New Zealand, then as we said, it's coming, it's going to come down to net run rate. Uh, it would be unlikely for New Zealand's net run rate to ever sort of um, be a problem. Australia and England, the, the the crucial point is this. England will, by definition, according to this scenario, beat New Zealand and then go on to beat Sri Lanka as well, neither of which are, are, are certain. Of course, even the, the Sri Lanka game, they could certainly lose it. Australia will then have to beat um, Afghanistan in our final game and our margin of victory will have to be sufficient to not only overcome the current differential of a bit over 0.5 in the um, net run rates, but because England will have won those two games, then um, potentially their net run rate will, will be even a little bit better. England will have the last crack at us because the England-Sri Lanka game is the last one. So if all that comes to pass, England will go into the Sri Lanka game knowing that they have to win it and also roughly um, how much by. So that could be a pretty significant advantage for England. Yep, yep, good summary. Um, and, yeah, I hope, I hope it's not rained out because the England-New Zealand game a repeat of last year's semi-final shapes up to be a, a really good contest. Um, you want later, so, I'll give you the other group as well if you want. Yes. So just I just want to touch on yesterday's cricket before we look at that. I mean, it was a, a massive Sunday, triple header. Bangladesh v Zimbabwe, Pakistan v the Netherlands, and then India v South Africa. I mean, the Bangladesh v Zimbabwe game was another cracker. And it, it, I was witness to the, the most crazy scene where – 
the, the last ball was adjudged a no ball because the keeper took the ball in front of the stumps. But um, all the players, everyone was off the field already. The stumps are out. But it all, everyone had thought the game was over. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that, Mr. Dennett? Well, the funny thing was, when I saw it live, I remember thinking just idly, geez, he took that with his gloves very um, close to breaking the plane of the stumps. But 10 seconds later, and it's all just celebrations, I actually turned off the um, – I was with someone and I'd been rudely watching the cricket rather than talking to them. So I turned off my phone and you sent me a thing saying, oh, epic finish. And I thought you just meant – because, you know, it was a pretty epic finish already. And so I went, yeah. And it was only like hours later I was scrolling through TikTok and suddenly saw it and realised that it genuinely was a no ball. And, God, that's terrible wicketkeeping. I mean, when all you had to do was glove it. And I don't know how you can be a wicketkeeper and not know that law. Um, and then after all that, so they're called back and then Zimbabwe only need to hit, well, only uh, have to hit a four to win it and they go and miss the ball again. So a bit of an anticlimax for them. But uh, what a what a roller coaster for the fans and also – at that stage, for the Pakistani fans, because Pakistan badly needed um, uh, Zimbabwe to lose that game. And so, in the end, they got the result that they're after. Yeah, and then um, Pakistan beat the Netherlands in a in a dominant performance. And, and then we saw a cracker of a game um, to finish off a triple header. India losing to South Africa, uh, a thrilling game where Surya Kumar Yadav made a sparkling half century and uh, it was, you know, South Africa guts it out with Miller and Markram in the end, but uh, that was a real heavyweight battle, wasn't it? I'm going to annoy you here by referring to another sport, but when I've been to rugby league games that have been really tough, uh, where the, it's brutal, brutal, and then towards the end, the, the the quick players get to do a bit of magic. It felt a bit that way, that this game was a, a heavyweight knockout contest on a fast pitch a brilliant wicket that's a that's a great pitch for cricket that's so watchable congratulations to the ground staff at at Perth Stadium and it was just yeah um after the brutality then there was the brilliance and the the brilliance in I mean only three batters got any runs Surya Kumar Yadav um what was the second highest score for India was about 15 and then for South Africa it was Aidan Markram um and and Miller were the only ones who could could get any runs as well so um massive win for for South Africa in the end they always looked like um maybe India were just a few runs short but geez they they put up a good showing and um um, oh, I felt for the Pakistani fans. There's a lot of um, nonsense on social media saying that from Pakistani fans saying that India threw the game and Virat Kohli deliberately dropped the catch. It's not true, but I can see why they might feel that way. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they were. Did you see that video that surfaced online of um, someone in Virat Kohli's hotel room taking a video when he wasn't there of all of Virat stuff? Did you catch that? I saw the headline and I saw a still from the video. I haven't seen the video, but I mean, what kind of person? I mean, that's that's disgraceful. And I mean, that the hotel should hang their head in shame. Um, and whoever did it, gosh, you'd think there should be some sort of criminal repercussions for that. Yes, and it's super creepy as well. And yeah, well, anyway, um, but, but back to the game. Um, uh, you know, Surya Kumar Yadav is is quickly moving up the charge of charts of batters I like to watch because, you know, he scores at this insane strike rate of, you know, above 150 in, in international T20 cricket, but he, he does it 
playing really beautiful shots. Yeah, he's a he's a star, isn't he? Oh yeah. I mean, he he came into the tournament with an enormous reputation, and he's enhancing it. It was it was it was glorious to watch. So so wrapping up that group, Paul. Uh, a lot of talk after the triple header that Pakistan are effectively out. How do you see um, the other group shaping up? Do you see it as being now sort of India and South Africa looking likely to go through? Yeah, because the big thing is that with losing to Zimbabwe, Pakistan has really um, made things difficult for them. They then needed India to beat South Africa. And again, if we assume that results go as predicted from here on in, then um, the, 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 the key thing is that India beat, South Africa beat India, India beat Pakistan, and even if Pakistan beat South Africa so that the big three have kind of nullified each other, it is um, South Africa have dropped one point because of rain, but Pakistan have dropped two points because of their loss to Zimbabwe. So even if they beat South Africa, it's going to be um, South Africa finishing on seven and Pakistan finishing on six if all other results went um, as you'd predict. So the uh, Pakistan aren't out, but they're going to need something a bit special for them to make it. They would need, obviously, to win their games. Um, and then Bangladesh or Zimbabwe, either one of them would need to beat India or South Africa would like would have to lose to the Netherlands. So, you know, some of that's possible, I suppose. The most likely would be uh, maybe India losing to Bangladesh or Zimbabwe. It just doesn't look likely, though. Yeah, the Netherlands, uh, South Africa is a bit of a grudge, grudge match, so you never know. Um, yeah, I think yeah, that's a good good summary of that group, and I agree with you. But yeah, I echo those sentiments. A great game, and uh, if it is India and South Africa go through, um, they do kind of look the best teams from that group. Yeah, I mean Pakistan will rue the fact that they had two last ball defeats. Um, so you know they um, they as things stand. Um, Pakistan's net run rate is almost as good as India's. So it's, it's 0.7 and India's is point. So Pakistan's 0.71 and India's 0.75. So um, that's, um, yep, you've got to win the close ones. Rightio. Well, um, good to catch up, Paul. A bit of um, podcast news. Uh, I'm catching up with Brittany Carter from the ABC tomorrow, Tuesday. So when, whenever you're listening to this, um, but Tuesday, Australian time to chat about the big, the first, sort of two, three weeks of the WBBL because I've still been watching all the games, even if they're in the background while the, the World Cup's on. Um, so I'd love to talk to her about it and share how the tournament's going with the listeners. And, and Paul, um, you and I had a chat about, um, you know, how we'd respond to what Craig Foster said in the Afghanistan um, situation, with the Afghanistan situation. Look, I, I've sort of said my piece, and uh, but yeah, how, how did you feel about what Craig said? It was a very powerful podcast. Um, for those of you who ha- haven't had the chance to listen to it, uh, just go back in our feed. It's probably about four or five podcasts ago. And I, I, I recommend that you listen to it. And um, I think after you listen to it, you, um, you know, Foster is very persuasive. And I think that he makes a, a pretty powerful point. Um, and his point is that given that Afghanistan uh, at the moment, it's illegal for girls to, to play sport or go to secondary school, then they shouldn't be um, uh, permitted in the World Cup. And he said if Australia was playing um, Afghanistan in, in soccer and football, his sport, um, even if it was crucial, he would advocate for Australia to, to boycott the game. Obviously, the Australian players aren't going to boycott it. Um, and it's uh, it's a 
it's not. I don't think it really should be up to the players. Um, the, you know, they're they're professional athletes that they shouldn't be dragged into these things too much. It really is up to the administrators, and it's a hard one because you know one of the great things that has come out of Afghanistan in recent years is the performance of their of their men's cricket team, which is um, you know they weren't on the radar as a cricket team um, well, not all that long ago, and despite all the hardships that their country has got come gone through. They have this wonderful cricket side and with some superstar players. Um, so it's a it's a fraught issue, uh, but I think that, as I said, Craig Foster speaks um, uh, very compellingly about it. Yeah, he does. So, look, as a result of that, um, you, Paul and I decided that we weren't going to record a podcast after Australia's game against Afghanistan. I know it's a it's a very small thing and it's not going to do anything, but you know, I just feel like I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel right doing it. I'm not going to speak to Paul. I wouldn't feel right doing it. And for me, this is just the beginning. You know, I, I, I'm not going to let this issue just float away after the world cup. Um, you know, eventually this needs to be sorted out because uh, you know, pe- people get into these issues and they like to sort of say the world's complicated, blah, blah, blah. If basic human rights aren't being met in a country, we should not be competing with them in international sport. And uh, go back and listen to Craig Foster because he does talk about it really well, better than I can. But, yeah, so we're not going to record after the Afghanistan game. And, um, yeah, Paul, yeah, you know, you're on board with that decision. Yeah, I am. Please go back and um, listen to the Craig Foster episode. I think that you'll um, find it very compelling. Yes. So, um, yes, and no podcast after the Australia versus Afghanistan game. Um, it's no slice on the Afghanistan team, as Paul said, but, um, we, yeah, so this is the beginning, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let this issue go away. Um, and you know, usually when I get, get passionate about something, I'm fueled. So anyway, um, and, but, and, and look, to end on good news, um, if you're at home this Saturday and, and you've, you are lucky enough to have KO or Fox cricket, and Paul and I have got the call up. We'll be commentating on New South Wales versus South Australia at North Sydney Oval. It's going to be on Fox Cricket all day. Um, so tune in. Uh, it's a Cricket Unfiltered Takeover. Yeah, can't wait. Really excited. Looking forward to it immensely. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening to Cricket Unfiltered. Um, go and follow me on Twitter. I'm at Amenas, A-M-E-N-N-E-R-S. We're on Instagram at OzCricketPod. And we're on TikTok at Cricket Unfiltered. Paul, when can the listeners uh, connect with you? Um, Paul Dennett underscore on Twitter. So T. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon. Bye. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.